is up, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast brought to you by SB Nation. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera, and we are just days away from the Week 5 game against the Miami Dolphins. A game the 49ers, let's be honest, should win. But we all know should went out the window a long time ago in 2020. I'm going to give you my thoughts quickly on the game, a couple of things I hope to see and, and think I need to see if the Niners are going to win it. And then I want to get to an interview I did with John Jastrzemski of WFAN in New York. I know you're thinking, why are you having a New York guy on this podcast? But JJ covers all the teams. He knows all the teams well. And he's actually a Dolphins fan. So that's why I wanted to bring him on this week, give him a chance to stretch his legs a little bit beyond the New York market, get his take on the team, find out what he thinks of Jimmy Garoppolo. And then uh, we're going to get into some of the other interesting lines of the week because he also hosts a betting show. He's very plugged in with a lot of sharp people. So I wanted to get his thoughts on some of the lines this week. That's something we don't normally do here on Niners Nation. I thought you might like it as a little change of pace as all some of you. May be putting some money on the game. I know it's hard to believe, but yes, people do gamble on the NFL. My keys to the game. Few things I want to see. Number one, without question, block somebody. Very simple. The blocking has to improve, and this is the week to improve it. The Dolphins do not have a dominating front like Philadelphia. They don't have an intimidating front at all, to be honest with you. They've given up a lot of yards on the ground this season. This is a game where the 49ers should have an advantage. Let's see it. Kyle talked a lot this week about how the blocking is very aggressive and how if you miss those blocks, you don't gain a lot of yards and it looks ugly. Well, stop missing them this week, okay? This is the week to shut all that down. Give the team a little momentum rolling into the tough part of their schedule. Give them something to build on. Hopefully Raheem Mostert is back. That'll be a nice little boost. But even if he's not, even if it's just Jet and Jeff Wilson and hopefully Jermichael Hasty as well, I still want to see him more. Whoever it is back there, doesn't matter. They should be able to find running room. And I know we say it over and over. I know you know this, but I mean, it unlocks everything. It unlocks the play action. Then Kyle can really break out some of the FU plays. That's what I call them. Because that's how his whole playbook is set up. You think you're going to stop the run. You think you know the staple run plays. And then he's got three or four plays off of it that look exactly the same. They're actually big chunk plays. And that's where he really, really hurts you. So... Again, none of that can function without the running game. And this is the week to get that back on track. Now, my second thing is those chunk plays that I mentioned because Kyle talked about how the whole offense really changes when you're not getting those chunk plays because, as he said, sometimes you do get stuffed in the run and you need those chunk plays to sort of make up for that so you're not always behind the sticks. And I think that that was something that happened against the Eagles and it's happened in other spots this year where they always get behind the sticks. It's always second and seven. Or third and seven, third and eight. They're always, you know, down in distance, not in their favor. So they really need to avoid that by running the ball well and picking up some chunk plays to make up for that. You know, you have a few bad plays, then you pop a 35-yarder or a 40-yarder or something like that. It erases all that. Or a bad penalty. All that stuff can go away. Last week, all that stuff kind of snowballed. It built on each other because they weren't getting those chunk plays. So a a false start set them back five yards. And then they have a run that loses a yard or two yards. And now you're seven yards in the hole, so it's third and 17. You know, they, they can't have that this week. you got to avoid that. you got to get out of that funk. Luckily, I think I saw a stat that Dolphins have allowed 16 chunk plays this season, which are like, I think, passing plays of more than 20 yards or running plays of more than 15 yards. But they've basically allowed four of those a game this season. 
If the 49ers can get four chunk plays like that this game against Miami, they have to win, and they should win. My last point is on defense, and it's pretty simple. Ryan Fitzpatrick can only beat you if you let him run. He's going to make some weird, I call them YOLO throws, basically, because sometimes it's like he's just like, ah, screw it, let's just throw it and see what happens. He makes them every game. Sometimes they get caught by the other team, and sometimes they don't. But he's going to put them up there, so you're going to have opportunities. I feel like the only way he hurts you is if you let him run because the Niners do not give up chunk plays. Even with all the injuries, they do not give up deep plays. That that 40-yarder against the Eagles last week was the rare exception. They're still very good at keeping things in front of them, and I don't see Fitzpatrick being able to go down the field consistently and repeatedly against the 49ers defense, which is still playing very, very well. So... If you can keep Fitz from running the ball, especially on third down, because we saw Carson Wentz killed us, killed us on third down with his legs. You can stop that if you're the 49ers. I don't think there's any way Fitzpatrick beats you. By the way, for a guy that's played so long in the league, Ryan Fitzpatrick is 56-86-1 as a starter. And again, I get it. It's a team stat. I know. But damn. I mean, come on. 56-86-1? If I'm a Dolphin fan, I'm desperate for Tua. Like, I can't believe he's not in there. Although I did ask JJ about that, and he makes an interesting argument for why they're holding him out that makes me sort of understand it, but at the same time, like, dude, throw him in. The clock's ticking on that rookie deal. You got to find out what you have there. So that's it. It's it's pretty simple. You know, it's not, as Mike Tyson would say, it's not rocket scientry. Um, That's all you got to do, and they know that. And they've all talked a big game this week. Kittle's talked a big game. Kyle's talked about getting back on track. Show me. Let's see it. Let's see a little fire from you guys. Let's see somebody get pissed off out there, other than George Kittle, who apparently just always plays mad. You know, Trent Williams said, oh, I think I had a good game this week. Guess what, Trent? You didn't. And I know that sometimes fans don't know the assignments, so things look worse than they did. You looked bad last week. I know enough to know you weren't very good. I saw you get Pushed in the backfield as a pass rusher multiple times on a bull rush. I saw you get bad penalties. You even said you've admitted that they're bad bonehead penalties, you called them. Be better. You set the tone for that offensive line. They're all looking at you because you're the best guy out there. Be the best guy out there this week. Let's see it. You know, I'd like to see a little urgency among the 49ers. That's the thing that uh, maybe we feel more as fans than the players do because it's their job and, and it's different when it's your job. But, man. Enough like, oh, we'll get it back on track. Enough of that. Like, we need to win now. Enough talk about the Super Bowl, by the way. Getting back to the Super Bowl. Enough talk with that. Just win a game. You're 2-2. Two and two. You've used up all your mulligans. I said this in an episode of Stats and Eggs this week. You've used up all your mulligans. You can't lose to teams you're better than anymore. Even last season, they lost to the Falcons game, and it almost cost them. They won the number one seed by an inch, thanks in part to that Falcons loss. Enough now. As it is, you're probably going to have to go 5-2 and two through that meaty part of your schedule, which is a lot. You got, Ram- you got two games against the Rams in there, a Saints game, a Packers game, a Bills game, a Seahawks game. There's a lot of tough games in this stretch coming up. 5-2 and two is a tough ask, and that's if you win this game this week against Miami. You're in sort of a weird spot right now where, yeah, you went to the Super Bowl, you're the NFC champions, but there's a lot of people doubting you right now. Use that to your advantage. Even if you win this game, people are going to say, ah, they've only beaten the New York teams and the and the Dolphins. They're not very good. This is the first game the 49ers are going into this year where the opponent actually has a win. 
So I hope that's what we see this week. I hope we see sort of a return to the 2019 49ers. A little attitude. Run over some people. Do something. Let's see a little fire. That's something I feel like they've missed with Bosa out. Obviously, they miss his pass rushing because he's incredible. But I like the swagger a little bit. I like him planting the flag on Baker Mayfield after the sack. I like all that stuff. He knows he's better than the opponent. And his play proves it, and he acts like it. And that's what I want to see the 49ers do this week. Enough talk from me. Let's get to the interview. John Jastrzemski from WFAN in New York, who, again, is a huge Dolphins fan. Very excited this week. I get to talk to somebody that I have admired for a long time. John Jastrzemski of WFAN. You can hear him on JJ After Dark during the overnights. And you can also hear him for odds on sports on FAM from 6 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. He's one of my favorite people in the entire business. JJ, thank you very much for the time. Rob, my pleasure. Thank you for that uh, very, very kind introduction. I'm very much looking forward to doing this. I don't know how much I'm looking forward to the Dolphins and the Niners this week, but hey, that's a story for a different day. Well, okay, first of all, how did you even become a Dolphins fan? Okay, so put yourself in my shoes in like 1995, 1996. The Jets were god-awful. The Rich Cotite. Boomer Esiason, joke of the teams that were, you know, three and 13, one and 15. The Giants were like the most boring team on the planet uh, with Dave Brown at quarterback. And, you know, Dan Marino, fun team, competitive team, cool uniforms. And, you know, a seven, eight year old kid was hooked. And the rest, as they say, is uh, history, my man. Hey, I get it. I'm a Niner fan that's lived in Connecticut his whole life. Totally get it. Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice. I'm sure that's what did it for you, right? Yeah, exactly. It was it was too easy. So it's Niners, Dolphins this week. And I first question, how is Tua Tungavailoa not starting this game? Um, I think it's twofold. One, I think the Dolphins want to make sure he is 1,000% physically right, physically able, the whole deal. Second of all, Dolphins left tackle Austin Jackson just got put on IR and he's going to miss an extended period of time. I think the Dolphins want to make sure before they're putting Tua into a game, he knows the offense. He's comfortable within the offense. The line is where it needs to be. And you're not exactly dealing with a rookie quarterback that, you know, is coming off the same set of circumstances as Burrow. where you know, he's hundred percent there or even Herbert who didn't take a beating last year at Oregon. That injury scared a lot of people with Tua, and I think that is why the Dolphins are kind of taking this very, very cautiously. Will he play this year? 100%. I didn't think this would be the spot because even with your team being a little bit beat up, especially losing the likes of Bosa and whatnot, I still think the Dolphins want to get a softer, easier landing spot. That way, Tua can, dare I say, hit the ground running. That is fair. I suppose that's fair. I just... As a fan, I know what it's like when you have a quarterback that you think is going to be the guy and you want to see him on the field. So I, I could understand some of the frustration coming from uh, Dolphins fans. I got a little frustration with your team, JJ. You're playing the Seahawks last week. So, of course, as a Niner fan, I'm interested. I'm locked in. And you're in the game. It's 17-12. to 12. There's a little less than nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's fourth and five. You're at the Seahawks' 11-yard line. And Brian Flores can't wait to send in the field goal unit instead of going for it. What is he thinking? Horrible coaching. No other way around it. And I always say on my show all the time, Rob, kicking is for losers. It is. When you're in (laughs) doubt, go for it. 
a play aggressive, play to win. Look at Bruce Arians yesterday. He goes for a fourth and one on what his own like 18 or 19 yard line. And then they're down a point or two points. And you got a fourth and one from the Chicago seven yard line. You're sending your field goal unit out. You're not going to beat Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks by kicking five field goals. You're just not like you need to play to win. You need to play aggressive. And sure enough, they kick all those field goals. They give Wilson a chance. And what does he do? Marches it right down the field, scores a touchdown. Because, listen, that's what the special player is going to do. And that was a game the Dolphins were in. They have been in every single one of the games they've played this year against the Bills, at the New England Patriots, home against Seattle. But they haven't been good enough to win. Right now, they have been good enough to lose in a bunch of these games. And it's incredibly frustrating. Well, I think they're going to be in the game this week. I know Jimmy Garoppolo is supposed to start, but I think the Dolphins are going to be able to move the ball in the 49ers a little bit, especially if Fitzpatrick runs. Because if there's one thing we've seen, the 49ers cannot stop a mobile quarterback, and Fitzpatrick can get out there and get it done with his legs a little bit. Fitzpatrick will make some plays. And from a Niners standpoint, here are the guys you got to watch in this game. Number one, it starts with Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker has finally turned into a player that – is living up to the billing of being a first-round pick. He had a breakout campaign, second half of the year. Dolphins rewarded him with a big contract. He can get it, whether it's down the field, over the middle of the field, he's a complete wide receiver. The other guy you got to watch is Mike Kosicki, the Penn State tight end. Yes. He has come into his own. He is a weapon for the Dolphins. In my opinion, they don't throw the ball to him nearly enough. But if I'm game-planning against Miami – those are the two guys I'm looking to take away. Parker, number one, Kisicki, number two. And the 49ers, that's a weak spot for them right now. Their secondary is really banged up. Top three corners, Richard Sherman, Kwan Williams, and Emmanuel Mosley are all going to miss this game. So when your weakness lines up with the other team's strength, that makes me nervous a little bit. Yeah, and that should be a spot for the Dolphins to go and take advantage. And I guess for the Dolphins, when you're going to attack them on the other side of the field, they have been a defense that has allowed people to move it left and right. Now, they're not going to have Shaq Lawson on the defensive line. looks like he's going to be out. But the Dolphins are getting Byron Jones back in that secondary. So that is supposed to be the strength of the defense. Xavier Howard, who is coming back off that ACL, had an interception in last week's game. He's a stud. Getting Jones back with Xavier Howard takes some of the pressure off their first-year rookie corner, who has been exposed in a lot of these games. And Russell Wilson went after him last week. Now he's in a far more comfortable position where you can kind of put him in that slot. Therefore, it's not nearly as crucial, you know, going after him on the outside. Do you think Flores is going to send the house on Garoppolo knowing that he's gimpy on that ankle? I would say in many instances, yes. And the main reason I say, Rob, is because the Dolphins don't have much of a pass rush. So to me, the only way they can generate a pass rush is by blitzing. So I think you're going to see a whole lot of different looks. I think they're going to try to mix up the schemes, but it's going to be a fun little chess match between Brian Flores and what he's looking to throw at San Francisco from a defensive standpoint. And then a coach that I like a ton and Kyle Shanahan and what he has dialed up. And I'm already concerned about what George Kittle is going to do in this game. I mean, I saw him lighten up the Philadelphia Eagles last week. <laughs> I am already mentally prepared for Kittle having like 11 catches and 120 yards. So uh, I I may have to get involved in the props market every which way, dude. Uh, We are going to get into uh, the line a little bit. One more question I want to ask you, because you mentioned Kyle Shanahan. 
even now, Kyle Shanahan's record as a head coach is under 500, which is incredible because I think he's one of the best young coaches in the league. Brian Flores is 6-14 and 14 right now in his first 20. Are you comfortable saying he's your guy in Miami? Oh, absolutely. And look at their team last year. They had guys they basically signed off the street. You and I might have been able to suit up <laughs> and play on that Miami Dolphins team last year. They found a way to win five games. And what I like about what the Dolphins are doing, they're looking at this from far more of a long-term prism. You know, they realized we have been muddled in mediocrity for the better part of 15 years. Let's build this baby from the ground up. Let's draft. Let's develop. Let's get guys who are going to buy in and believe in our system. And I didn't look at them this year as a team that was going to be much better than what they were a year ago because the schedule is a lot tougher. Instead of playing the NFC East, which was, as you know, a lousy division, now you got the NFC West. You're playing the Niners. You're playing Seattle, L.A. and Arizona. Patrick Mahomes on your schedule. So you might go five and 11 again this year and be in a much better frame of mind and a much better spot from a team standpoint. So yeah, I like what the Dolphins are doing. They're building the team around Tua, which I think is the way to do it. Good free agent signings. Hopefully that Texan pick first and second round is going to be in the top five or the top 10. And then I think come next year, young quarterback, everything in place, you can go and get it cooking. Yeah, 10 picks in the 2021 draft, five in the first three rounds, and you already have your quarterback. So you could use those picks to really line up the weapons around him. I have to agree. I think the stock is going way up on the Dolphins right now, especially in a division that is not very strong, even though the Patriots are never bad, but they could be right there in the division as close as next year. That's my hope. This year, it's going to be about Buffalo and New England in that AFCs. The Dolphins, though, if they play their cards right, they get you on the field second half of the year, you see some positive signs out of him. You want to make that leap going into next year. Next year, to me, is when you can really start that clock on Brian Flores, on the Dolphins, and really start to evaluate from a wins and a losses standpoint. All right, so you got the Niners this week. From the outsider's perspective, what's your view of Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you think he's just a guy, or do you think he's something that maybe could be special? Um, I think he's somewhere in between. I know it's going to sound like a little bit of a cop-out answer, But I've seen Garoppolo have some big games. I mean, last year in the regular season, that game against New Orleans, that was a money, money spot with Garoppolo. Uh, Watching him, what was it, the Sunday night game at Seattle, finding a way to win that game. I mean, those were moments where I'm like, all right, this guy can be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Now, obviously, I don't need to rehash what happened in the Super Bowl last year. I don't think you want to hear that. Uh, I'll just skip that. I'll, I'll move on. Thank you. But he didn't have a great Super Bowl. Your head coach didn't have a great Super Bowl. And throughout their postseason run, it's pretty obvious. They could control the line, the line of scrimmage. They could run the rock down your throat. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, I had some people making the argument to me they were better off with Nick Mullins. I mean, oh. I heard that. I'm like, what are, what are you guys smoking, man? I'm like, uh, uh, you guys you guys watching the same games I'm watching? So after what we saw last week with Philadelphia, I think a lot of that conversation now is kind of cast aside. But you know the deal, Rob. It's a win-now team. you got a window to go and win over the next two or three years. And Garoppolo has got to show that he's the quarterback to take it to the promised land. And I think – The jury is very much out on that. I think he could start. I think he's capable. Whether or not he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback, though, 
very much remains to be seen. And no guaranteed money left in that deal, too. So it's kind of a make-or-break year for Garoppolo. Uh, the line in this game is Dolphins getting nine. As you would say, JJ, that's juicy. Yeah, I like the Niners in this spot, though. I, really? I got to be honest with you, dude. Yeah, I do. I think it's a really tough game for the Dolphins. They're flying out to the West Coast. Austin Jackson and Shaq Lawson are playing. That bothers me from their standpoint. And I think the Niners are going to be an angry, ticked-off team. You know, the Niners coming off a loss. I just don't like this spot for the Dolphins. I don't. Um, I hope I'm wrong here. I'd love to see the Dolphins go compete and, dare I say, win it outright. Um, I bet you get a pick or two from Fitzpatrick. I bet I'm screaming for two in the second half of this game. Uh, I'm going to say the Niners win 27-13, something along those lines. I'll take the Niners to win by two scores. Wow. Okay. So I was, I saw that number and I was like, man, nine points. I know the Niners are getting a couple guys back, but I just, I was so disgusted with the offensive line getting absolutely dominated by the Eagles. And maybe I have a little bit of uh, recency bias. Yeah. On that but one. here's the one difference though, Rob, I think the Eagles from a matchup standpoint had the pass rushers to give your team some trouble. I don't see it from a Dolphins standpoint. Now, again, maybe they got a great game plan. They're going to drop a bunch of, you know, blitz schemes and whatnot, and they'll generate pressure. Eagles could do it a lot easier with some of the guys they have there, you know? So uh, that's why I don't think you'll have the same trouble on that offensive line. A couple other spreads I want to get into with you. Speaking of the Eagles, Steelers minus seven against Philly. I love the Steelers in that spot. Their defense is going to absolutely destroy the Eagles. Philly's got no bullets in the chamber on offense. Everybody's injured. How do the Steelers not win this one by more than seven? Well, you read my mind. That's going to be one of my plays of the week. I'm all over the Steelers laying the seven points by week. And the Eagle offensive line is vulnerable. I mean, you saw that last week against the Niners. There were a couple instances where Carson Wentz is running for his life. Now I get a so-so offensive line against, for my money, the best pass rush in the NFL. Dupree, Watt, uh, Hayward. They got so many different guys who can go and get after the quarterback. I love the Steelers here in this game. I think it's a margin victory. Steelers win, Steelers cover. I want to stay in the AFC North. This game, normally I would stay away from. But the Ravens are given 12 and a half to Cincinnati, and Lamar Jackson missed Wednesday and Thursday of practice with a knee injury. Is there any part of you that's tempted to take the points in Cincy in that one? If I was playing the game, yes, I would take Cincinnati. I don't love the game from a Cincinnati standpoint because they, as you know, are brutal in the trenches. And I know I keep hitting on that offensive line, but it matters, right? Like that's to me, I like to bet teams that are good on the offensive line. It gives me a lot of comfort. It kind of puts me at ease. And, you know, Joe Burrow made a ton of plays against Jacksonville last week, the front for Jacksonville and the front for Baltimore <laughs> night and day, uh, a drastic difference. If you know what I mean? But, yeah, the concern with Jackson being beat up, this makes this game a complete stay away from me. 12 and a half points. I'm not going near it. All right. Let's see if I can tempt you with this. Browns and Colts. The Browns are getting one. And Darius Leonard is out for the Colts. And their left tackle, Anthony Costanzo, is out for the Colts as well. I love Cleveland in this game to win outright. And I'll take the point because I think the Browns have finally figured out who they are and how they have to win. Wow, I did not know that about Darius Leonard. That's a big deal. My lean would have been Indianapolis, but you mentioned those two big injuries. Now I won't go near that game. I actually thought about early in the week playing Indianapolis 
I got some cold feet. I put it in that stay away category. And that's a pivotal game in the AFC. I mean, you think about it. Winner of that game is going to have four wins now. And I think it would be a surprising four and one start for no matter who it may be. I leaned Indianapolis early. That's a stay away now. And I'm glad that you pointed out those two injuries because now I ain't going near that game. So thank you, Rob. Much oh, appreciated. You, you are very welcome. When do you pick your, like, when do you decide which games you're going in on, by the way? Well, I'm in a super contest. Ah. So I got to lock those in on Thursday. Um, and usually those are the plays I give. Um, but on the air, I usually lock them in at 4.40, 4.20 in the morning. And, you know, sometimes you'll make some plays and you'll hear about a key injury. You'll, you know, see some line movement you don't like. And you're like, man, I wish I hadn't made that decision. Like, in, in some cases, the best thing you can do is wait until game time. But, you know, there are other examples of getting a line early and it ends up being beneficial to you. Um, but normally I'd say I lock my picks in by Thursday, Friday, give or take, like right around now. So that's why Indianapolis Cleveland moved into that uh, no play category. That always, yeah, I always go back and forth on that because I've heard some people say, oh, all the sharps bet early in the week. And so then I think, okay, maybe I'll start to do that. But then I always want to know about the injuries. So I, I never know what to do. And I usually pick wrong. Well, I think it depends on the number, right? Like you'll see sharps come in early in the week because they think they could take advantage of a line move but it could take advantage of a key number. You know the deal, three, seven, mm -hmm. 10. And if you can get it on the right side of that, it can end up being a big difference. But yeah, I like, for example, I'd be living right now if I had Indianapolis laying two and a half and I found out that Darius Leonard was not playing. Like there are certain injuries that matter more than others. Yeah, I, that for me is a major, major problem. So like I, my pick and pull right now, I think I have Indianapolis. I make a audible that and put Cleveland now as one of my plays. I might have to with this. Wow. Point. Drastic measures. I like it. And last one I want to ask you about, and this is right in the NFC East. The Giants are getting nine against the Cowboys. I think I like the Giants in this one. I think the Cowboys are one Falcons meltdown away from being winless. I think they don't know if they're a passing team. They don't know if they're a running team. And nobody loses more games with elite quarterback play than Mike McCarthy. He did it in Green Bay, and he's doing it now in Dallas. I love the Giants getting nine in this one. I am not a believer in the Cowboys defensively, but the problem is the Giants are the worst offensive team in the league. So I don't have confidence and I don't have trust that the Giants are going to be able to exploit those mismatches. I know you have the Jason Garrett return game. You'll <laughs> see the clapper on the sideline. Wonder if he's going to be clapping left and right. Um, I don't like this game and it won't be a part of my card. I'd go the other way here. If I had to make a play on it, I would take Dallas just because I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to score a ton of points on the Giants. I know the Giant defense has been better over the first four weeks of the year. But Dallas has been scoring on everybody. And if you look at Dallas over the last, like, four or five years against the Giants, they have covered numbers. They have covered spreads like it's nobody's freaking business. I'll go the other way here. Give me the Cowboys. They win it by two scores. The over-under on this game is 54. How do you feel about that? Wow, that's a high total. That is a high, high total. I mean, playing on this this year in the NFL is huh. a losing proposition. Thankfully, Rob, I gave one out yesterday with the Buccaneers and the Bears, and that ended up hitting. So I was like, all right, man, finally, I hit an under this year. Um, here's why I don't feel great about playing the over. The giant offense is bad. Who's making plays on that giant offense? 
no Saquon Barkley, no running game. You tell me it's going to be a big day for Darius Slayton or Evan Ingram? Okay. Um, I wouldn't go near that total. I'm playing it. I actually go the other way. Give me the under. Yeah, you're right about that giant offense. Odell Beckham Jr. has more touchdowns on the year than the entire Giants offense. Yeah, that's an issue. That's a major, (laughs) major issue. And we'll see if the Giants as a team collectively can have as much success down in Big D as Odell did. My goodness, it's the first time I think we've seen Odell Beckham Jr. make a play since he's put on a Browns uniform. Yeah, he was incredible in that game. When he got past Alden Smith in the backfield, I mean, the Dallas linebackers were loafing over to the sideline, and he just blew right past them. Yeah, big effort for the Browns. Big effort for Beckham. So, yeah, they, the only unfortunate thing is, my my goodness, CBS, I mean, the Giants and the Cowboys as your primetime 425 window. Uh, good thing we got the Dolphins and the Niners at that time, dude. At least we got another <laughs> game to watch, you know? JJ, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Again, you can hear him on WFAN, Odds on Sports, 6 to 6.30 weekdays there, or you can hear him uh, doing the overnights as well. I know you got a lot going on because the Yankees now are in a fight for their lives with the Rays, so I really appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Rob, my absolute pleasure. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll do this again soon, dude. All the best, all right? You got it.